Hey guys, it's Jeffrey. What you are about to hear is our first podcast documentary of the year, which combines research, interviews, and passion into an episode that took weeks to make. So, I hope you enjoy. This is the Keeping It Arcadia podcast. This summer, I was privileged enough to be introduced to the Congressional Academy by my amazing GovTeam teacher, Ms. Leahy, which is put together by the Center for Civic Education. I was given the opportunity to travel to Baltimore to learn more about the Constitution, as well as meet a hundred other students from all states and parts of the political spectrum. While I was there, we talked a lot about civics, or the studies of the duties of citizens, which include voting, jury duty, and especially, the First Amendment's right to protest. Why is civics and protesting so important? Here to help us with this question, podcast member Claire Lee with her interview of the awesome GovTeam members, Annabelle and Aditi. So hello, today I am joined with Aditi and Annabelle who are both GovTeam members of Arcadia High School. So would you guys like to introduce yourself first? Hi, um, my name is Annabelle Shu. I'm from Arcadia High School, obviously, and I'm a member of Unit 5, which focuses on the interpretation and contents of the American Bill of Rights. Hi, I'm Aditi. I'm also a member of GovTeam, and I'm also on Unit 5. <laughs> uh, and yes, we love the Bill of Rights. Can you please give your best definition of the word civics? I think civics is just a citizen's duty towards uh, their community, and that includes, like we've been mentioning um, your duty to protest and assemble whenever you feel that something has gone wrong. And I think it's important because uh, we live in a democratic society and it's up to us to bring about change. Yeah, exactly what E.T. said. Um, we are fundamentally a society where power is supposed to be for the people. And it's our civic duty to make sure that stays in place. Otherwise, you know, we stop becoming a democracy and we become something more like an oligarchy to that extent. Because, you know, a lot of places like Arcadia are not the most politically motivated. Yeah, that's really true. So why do you think civics is so important in people's lives, as you guys have touched upon that a little bit earlier? So the thing with civics is that um, it's the really the only way we can pressure for major change in the government. It's incredibly difficult to get elect to get elected. You know, every politician can tell you can tell you there's there's only 50 spots in the Senate and only about 400 in the House. So a lot of the times, most Americans actually have to take to using a variety of other methods to make sure that their voices are heard. And it's so important for just the normal everyday person because I don't think people are fully aware of the power that their voices can have. Protests have been such effective uses of civic duty for people in the past, such as Martin Luther King. So it's important because we need to understand that the power that we have and also be able to keep the government in check. Yeah, I mean, the whole uh, principle that America was built on was, you know, power by or rule by the people, even though we elect uh, representatives, they should, well, technically at least, they should be following <laughs> what we want, right? Um, they should be uh, paying attention to the will of the people. They should be passing policies and respecting our rights. And I think uh, through civics, we can ensure that the government, you know, their power is limited and that they continue to listen to the will of the people. So I believe you guys mentioned that it was really important for the government to listen to the people. So why do you think it's so important that people have a say in their government, whether it be on a local or national level? Well, if the alternative is, you know, 
dictatorships or um, <laughs> uh, really restrictive regimes. Uh, we've seen what um, impact totalitarian regimes can have in other countries, and it's never uh, the most beneficial place for citizens. It's always the people who suffer in those kinds of situations. And that is why we want to make sure that America can continue our tradition of, you know, just people being able to speak up for themselves. I mean, that is why we've uh, had movements such as civil rights and the women's suffrage movement. These just wouldn't be possible without um, our First Amendment rights, such as, you know, freedom of speech and press and assembly and petition. Yeah, and I think having a say in government isn't even necessarily just protesting, even though it's a major part. It's just voting. Um, so I think ultimately what it comes down to is that we are a democracy. If people want to have a say in their government, if they want to keep having that say, they need to keep talking in order for the government to even listen. If you stop talking, who's going to listen to you? And that just opens up so many opportunities for the abuse of power. So it's so important for people to have a say because in that way we keep the government in check and we don't end up with something that's going on, say, Hong Kong or China. So I think it's really important that people are able to speak in front of their government in a way. So is there anything else you guys would like to add? Vote! 2020 yeah, is coming. Vote, vote. <laughs> vote in the primaries. Vote in midterm elections. Vote for presidential elections. Yeah, no, it's just everybody says that your vote doesn't matter. But your vote matters. Yeah, your vote really does matter. Because the thing is, everybody keeps thinking of votes don't matter in the context of a presidential election. But what nobody realizes is that the midterm elections are just yeah. as important. You're voting for the Congress people who literally are able to pass legislation for you. And the amount of people who turn out for those are so minimal you can have a difference you can make a difference and you can I'm pretty sure in midterm elections you can also vote directly on certain policies too I mean you don't really get that kind of opportunity very often you should take advantage of whatever you can right it's we've been given this power by the United States Constitution mm -hmm. to be able to have a voice in our government and to just forsake that for the sake of laziness or even just thinking that your vote mm -hmm. doesn't matter in the first place is a complete disregard is having complete disregard for the real principles our country is founded on. Yeah, and it's kind of unfair to the fact that, you know, women and minorities have fought so hard for this right to vote. And for us to just disregard that and, you know, think that our vote doesn't matter, it's really disrespectful to all the struggles that suffragists have had in the past. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. The most famous protests include Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s march from Selma to Montgomery, rallying for equal opportunities to vote for African Americans, or Gandhi's legendary salt march, an act of open defiance against the British law that mandated that Indians had to buy salt from the government. Protests have always been a way to get civically involved, but if you think about it, those events seem so far above us. You might see a protest on the news, but it's not really something you would think would happen locally. Until now. This is the story of how the First Amendment's right to peaceably assemble, the Mahjong playing mayor of Arcadia, and a passionate group of Arcadia citizens all came together to successfully protest the removal of the basketball courts at Eisenhower Park. So here's a quick timeline. 
on August 20th, 2019, a renovation plan of Arcadia's Eisenhower Park was announced. Citizens of Arcadia were unhappy with this plan, which entailed removing the basketball courts there because they believed that they were not given due notice of the plans until it was finalized. Arcadia's Mayor Pro Tem, that's the Vice Mayor, Mr. Roger Chandler, incited further outrage when he stated that the people who played at the park's basketball courts were not the type of people I would drive into Arcadia, which some citizens thought contained some racial undertones. On August 25th, Mayor April Verlato and a group of citizens gathered at the park, protesting both the removal of the courts and the incendiary rhetoric of the Mayor Pro Tem. On September 3rd, another council meeting was held. Citizens of Arcadia came to speak out against the removal of the basketball courts and criticized the Mayor Pro Tem Chandler, including Area Man Prasad, a student from First Avenue Middle School, who spoke powerfully about the basketball courts. Podcast member Joyce Pang was able to interview him about what the courts mean to him. I'm here with Arya Mam Prasad, one of the protesters in support of building basketball courts in Eisenhower Park. At the September 3rd City Council meeting, you went to speak holding a basketball. Why did you bring a basketball with you, and what made you want to speak up? I brought the basketball to show the council how close I am to the game. I wouldn't be surprised if I spent a fourth of my life on a basketball court. I wanted to speak up because, as I mentioned in my speech, I practiced for the local rec league at Eisenhower. I also found Mr. Shote and Mr. Roger Chandler's comments about the courts really offensive. I was so down for the renovation, but as soon as I heard there was a debate on the basketball courts, I knew I had to say something. And I was especially motivated because it was my first time speaking at a city council meeting. After the revolt, even though the, some people wanted two full courts to be built, the city council decided to build one court instead. Are you happy with this decision? Of course not. I thought a re renovation is supposed to make a place better. Like, I would be completely fine with two courts. Like, maybe even one full court. But now we have, like, one half court. Like, I don't, like, Eisenhower Park is, like, a really busy place. Like, you have kids, you have adults playing basketball. So, like, at least one full court. So, yeah. Um, what did you say at the meeting? Oh, uh, at the meeting, I emphasized that Arcadia is, like, a city of being open to everything. Uh, I mentioned not only the basketball courts, but, like, Arcadia is a welcoming city. We should be open to, like, all stories and beliefs, no matter, like, it being sexual belief or spiritual belief, so. There are many examples of protests throughout the world, like the recent one against the extradition bill in Hong Kong. What do you think about the power of protesting and exercising one's First Amendment rights? I think that protesting shows more public power. Yes, we do get to elect our leaders, but every time a major protest occurs, news stations pick them up. Then those air, and more people take witness. Voila, you, you therefore start a revolution. Like, more people find these, like, protested, like, events. Like, like this. some people take it to heart because, you know, people really care about their society, their community. So, like, protesting, like, just adds that public factor into it. So, yeah. Um, uh, what lessons were learned from this experience? And did this incident cause you to pay more attention to local politics? I mean... I guess because like before September 3rd, I wasn't really participating in my community. Like, yeah, I'm a Boy Scout. I do do community service and like, like I want the better for my community. But like, I've never like spoken to like a city government or like a like elected official telling them this is what's wrong. I want this to be fixed because, you know, I love my community and I just want the better. 
and so, you know, it was my first time. And I would say what I learned is that, like, I have more say in my community. Like, before I thought, you know, I'm just one person, like, what's going to change? But on September 3rd, I learned that just because of one person, like, it, start, it starts, like, this thing that, like, a lot of people hear about it, and then you might actually change something that's, like, negative in your community. Thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed and for standing up for the basketball court. No problem. Thank you so much. Councilman Tom Beck was the one who asked the city council to revisit the Eisenhower Park plans, leading to a vote of three to two to bring back one full basketball court at Eisenhower Park. Mayor Pro Tem Chandler also apologized for his words. And now, the community will be able to play on the courts by May 2020. We were able to get more details about what happened when podcast team member Becky Chen interviewed Mayor Verlato. Hello everyone, it's Becky and I'm here with Mayor Verlato. So hello Mayor Verlato, thank you so much for the opportunity to interview you and gain more insight about the Eisenhower Park incident. So our first question would be, during the August 20th City Council meeting, community members complained that they had no say in making the plans for the park. So how come the public wasn't informed about the park renovation plans until they were actually finalized? So what happens is um, there's a long process that uh, that we take in order to uh, adopt plans for a change to one of our parks. Uh, several years ago, we started that process. It's called a Parks Master Plan. That was put out there to the public. Um, it's really hard to get messages out to the public. Um, we've got 60,000 uh, residents, in the, approximately 60,000 residents in the city of Arcadia. And a lot of times we send out letters, mailers, postcards, and people discard them and they don't pay attention to what's going on. But um, we definitely learned from the city's perspective that we need to do more outreach to get the message out there when we are doing a park renovation. So in the future, you'll see that we'll put up signs at the park that's being proposed for renovations um, at least a month before so that people are informed that are using the park, not just sending out messages to the residents, um, but putting it up there at the park so people can see this is a park that's going to be renovated. All right, that sounds good. Now, Mr. Chandler, the mayor pro tem, stated basketball courts attract undesirables. So is there any fact or truth behind that statement, would you say? So um, first of all, <laughs> the, the press took a little bit of liberty with um, the actual words that Mayor Pro Tem Chandler said. He didn't say the word undesirables. He actually said, um, something to the effect of, you know, he wouldn't drive the type that, you know, does the basketball tournaments into Arcadia. It was a very weird statement that uh, Mayor, pro Mayor Pro Tem Chandler made. Um, so then the press tried to reconvey that, but it was hard to because his, his, his sentence wasn't that clear. Um, but his sentiment was uh, that he felt that um, there had been abuses of the basketball courts in the past and he had concerns that um, there would be abuses in the future. Uh, it definitely was perceived uh, by the audience that was at the city council meeting that um, he was making statements about you know, a, a type of person that plays basketball. 
and it was perceived as uh, racist because it was primarily you know black and Hispanics um, that play basketball and um, the group that the audience was uh, a, a lot of minorities were represented so I think that they were sensitive to uh, the words chosen by Mayor Pro Tem Chandler and um, I, I think that uh, in those kinds of circumstances um, the best thing to do is for Mayor Pro Tem to just apologize and uh, and you know own up to the fact that he, he made a, a mischoice or a bad choice of words in describing what he was trying to convey. I really like how you corrected how the media like perceived his words because I feel like it was just a known fact that he said undesirables. But like knowing that he did it, that makes like like it like kind of shows that you can't really trust everything the press says, right? Correct. And, um, you know, what we're very fortunate in the city of Arcadia, all of our city council meetings are recorded and they're on our website. They're available for people to review. So um, a lot of, uh, well, not a lot of, but some of the um, uh, media sources did take the clip right off of our city council website and copied it and placed it on the internet so people could replay the part where Mayor Pro Tem Chandler made the statement about, you know, didn't want that type in Arcadia. All right, okay. Now, Madam Mayor, you were one of the 60 protesters at the park on August 25th, and I even saw on Facebook there was an offer of a 10% off coupon for MLO's Brewing Co. company for the protesters. Yes. So how did you think the protests went? What did the citizens do there? And what would you say the impact overall was? So, um, yeah, it's, there were more like 100 people there. I mean, again, <laughs> the press, you know, they were being conservative in their um, estimate. Uh, but there was somebody there that was um, getting signatures of every person who had been there. So there was 115 signatures at the end of the day. Um, you know, some people showed up for only like a couple minutes. So I'm like, eh, you know, do those really count? But you had 115 people sign in there that day. Um, definitely, uh, you know, they, uh, the protesters were, were sending a message more about, you know, we didn't want... Um, and I say we because I was part of this of I, I didn't want it to to be perceived that the city of Arcadia um, Somehow does discriminate or doesn't want people from other cities come coming in to use our facilities and our amenities here in the city of Arcadia So we definitely wanted a message to go out that everybody's welcome that you know The city of Arcadia is tolerant. We're, we're not discriminatory uh, and so I wanted to get that out in the in the media because so much focus had been on the words by Mayor Pro Tem Chandler. So I think it was a very effective way of getting that message out there, and a lot of people showed up. Um, there was also the, the message of, you know, we want the basketball courts back at Eisenhower Park. And um, it was nice to see uh, some of the community businesses uh, get involved too and reach out and say hey, you know, how what can we do to get involved and then they uh, it was Mount Lowe's brewery is uh, Right down the street. It's actually just a couple blocks away from Eisenhower Park and um, I just happened to have been there before going to the protest talking to the owner telling them about how I was going to this protest and then um, you know they offered up 
the, the coupon, so I took them up there when I went up there. So, But it was nice of them to get involved. And again, they were equally concerned about the image of the city of Arcadia, how um, a message like the, the one that the media was putting out there can really taint um, the perception of Arcadia. And so we really wanted to get out there that, no, we're, we're inclusive, we're not, you know, um, excluding people. Right. And also, I'm like very curious about like the demographics of the protesters. So like what age group around like would they be and like who are they and like where did they come from, you know? So I would say it was a wide variety of ages. Um, there were kids, there were um, young adults um, that were, uh, you know, in their 20s, um, probably fewer kids in their 20s. Um, there was a lot of parents uh, who had kids um, they were there uh, and then um, and a, a number of uh, older people who had raised their kids in Arcadia and who had you know used Eisenhower Park for you know their kids outdoor recreation space and were you know horrified to hear that these kinds of changes were happening and that this kind of message was getting put out there about um, the city of Arcadia that the you know were somehow exclusionary so right and also could you please clarify what happened at the September 3rd City Council meeting so what happened for a revote to occur and how did the revote turn out so um, what had happened is at the prior meeting on August 20th um, we'd had the vote and uh, the basketball courts lost uh, the vote was three to two um, in between that time, between the August 20th meeting and the September 3rd meeting, uh, one of the council members um, had a change of heart. Um, I believe uh, that um, they reached out to the city manager and asked that the city manager put it on the city council agenda for September 3rd to, to reconsider a vote. And so um, the technicalities behind it it goes to the, the Brown Act. Um, the law, the state law requires that if we're gonna discuss and vote something at a city council meeting, it has to be on the agenda and posted, and posted 72 hours before the meeting. Otherwise, we can't take a vote on it. So, um, so that council member knew they had to give a heads up to the city manager and ask them to get it on the agenda so that we could look at it again. Otherwise, at the September 3rd meeting, the city council member would indicate, I want to re-vote on this issue, put, and then we would have to put it on the next council agenda. But we skipped that because um, the city manager put it on the agenda. When it came up, it was um, the city manager brings it up as, is anybody interested in reconsidering their vote? The council member indicates yes, um, and it has to be one of the three council members that voted against the basketball courts now reconsidering their vote. Um, so he, uh, Council Member Beck, did uh, express his intent to reconsider his vote. Then at that time, um, a vote is taken uh, to reconsider the vote. We voted three to two to reconsider that agenda item. So then it got reconsidered at the um, meeting on September 3rd, and it was like, another vote was taken about the basketball courts. The council member who changed their vote um, had gone to the site with our public works department and our recreation department 
and I believe our city manager, inspected the site to really get a, a better visual of where a basketball court would go in in the new design because um, he says he was having a hard time imagining it fit in um, with the redesign. So that's, uh, I guess that's what really swayed his vote was to really be physically at the site and get a better bearing on where that basketball court was gonna be placed if it was gonna be returned into the design. Right, okay. And you said that while putting in a basketball court will make renovating the park more expensive, it is still worth it. So could you please elaborate on why it's still worth it? So it's worth it in the sense that the money we're spending is going to benefit our residents in far excess of the cost, right? I mean, it's if you're looking at the cost-benefit analysis and you've got the scales of justice and you put you know, your basketball courts on one side and the benefit, you know, that it has to, uh, or the, the basketball courts on one side and the cost on the other, and the, the benefit that the courts have to our community far outweighs the, the cost. So those are gonna be, for the next 50 years, um, our residents will be able to go and enjoy those basketball courts and there won't need to be that much maintenance or upkeep. I mean, it's cement, and as long as the cement doesn't crack, they're good and they'll be there and so for the few hundred thousand dollars um, and actually we've got a new quote that came in it's actually only going to be hundred and sixty thousand dollars officially so that's the final quote because at first we had to give estimates or the the public works department had to give estimates because they didn't have all the details yet um, but now they've been able to um, get the exact cost of it and it'll be hundred and sixty thousand so to me to have those courts in there um, and have our residents be able to enjoy them for the next 50 years, I think that far outweighs any cost. Of course, and what important lessons would you say were learned from this experience? So, number one, the city is gonna give better notice uh, to its residents <laughs> when it, it's doing park renovations. Um, you know, I, I I think it's really important that um, the mayor, uh, in their role, um, really be that community outreach, that person who is available to meet with the residents, discuss what's going on, address their concerns, um, make sure that they're getting the right information, accurate information, and um, have a good understanding of what the city is doing. Um, I think that's one of the largest roles that the mayor uh, of Arcadia plays. Um, one of the other big lessons I think learned in all of this is, um, you know, uh, people will make mistakes and, and say the wrong thing. Um, it's then about how do you address that or fix that or correct that. Um, you know, I, I appreciate Mayor Pro Tem Chandler's um, position and his opinion. Um, I think, though, that he could have handled it better when the press came out and uh, started to report on the issue, report on his statements. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Chandler uh, took the position of not talking to the press, um, waiting until the council meeting to address the issue. Um, I, to me, I think that was a mistake. Uh, he should have come out right away 
and and the the press was calling him and trying to contact him, and he was just uh, staying on radio silence <laughs> because he thought that was the better way to address it. I think what I've learned from this is you you've got to get out ahead of it, and when the media or the press start to make um, misstatements, like they were, where they were mischaracterizing. Um, or misquoting him as saying undesirable when he didn't say it. He needed to get out there and say that, nope, that's not what I said, this is what I said, and apologize and, and not try to um, uh, uh, not, not so much explain what he said, but apologize for what he said. Because it was, he didn't mean it in a racist way, but it was definitely taken as a racist comment. I mean, it was definitely perceived by the audience. And, the, and you know, he needed to address that. For sure, I definitely agree with you on that. And so, last but not least, what would you say is the importance of civics in this entire story? Uh, the most important part of this is the civics lesson, right? The, right? Get involved, get the facts, find out how your government works. Um, you know, local government does affect you on a day-to-day -day basis, and it is so important to get involved and um, to to get your neighbors involved. And I, you know, the the, um, the the people who the 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 residents who were involved in this, what they did was connected with one another and shared information to make sure each of them knew what was going on, and then it it then created this. Uh, you know, momentum um, that really did make an impact on city council was, you know, it was obvious that so many of the residents really wanted to maintain those basketball courts and that there really wasn't a reason to get rid of them. So biggest civic lesson, your local government matters. Get involved, find out what they're doing, and when an issue comes up, come to city council meetings, speak up, because when you have as many people as we did um, come to a city council meeting and and um, demand that their voices be heard and that uh, the city council, you know, take action based on, on um, what they wanted, it worked. It happens. All right, so thank you so much, Ms. Verlato, for coming out here and being able to increase transparency with our community. It really makes Arcadia better as a whole. So that concludes our interview. and. Is there anything else you would like to add? <laughs> no, no, no. I no. think you've covered everything. Thank right. you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Of course. So that concludes our interview. Um, see you back at the studio. We also tried to reach out to Mayor Pro Tem Chandler to get his side of the story, but he respectfully declined. So what can we learn from this? Like our very helpful Gov team members have said, no matter if the issue is national or local, it's important to pay attention to civics. Government shouldn't and isn't a one-way thing. It's important for the voice of citizens to be heard because elected officials are supposed to represent the will of the people. So the next time you hear about something you passionately agree with or disagree with, take a stand and exercise the First Amendment right to peaceably assemble. You might just be able to make something special happen. This is Keep It Arcadia signing off.